The Bread and Butter podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mainjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by Hail Productions. Did I say good? I'm just going to do it one more time. Maybe just in case. Okay. Do it one more time. Go. Bread and Better Podcast. <laughs> okay. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I am. <clears throat> Bread and Better Podcast. Welcome to a new week and a new episode of the Bread and Better podcast. I am Tegan, one of your hosts. I have eight years experience as a personal trainer and I have worked with thousands of clients in that time period. I also remember what it was like to be starting out on your fitness journey and how intimidating that can be. So for today's episode, we are going to tackle a few of those questions that you might not feel comfortable asking face-to-face with a PT. And I am Alex, the other host of Bread and Better. I'm a freelance writer, a business owner, a podcast producer, and a mum of three. So this segment was my idea. I am at the, let's say, restart of my fitness journey. I've completed my family and now that I have stopped having babies, I feel ready to fully commit to getting fit again. I am fortunate enough to have Tegan as my friend, a very experienced PT, who I am able to ask candidly all of the questions that I would be too embarrassed to ask someone else. So I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to do the same. And remember when we were talking about recording this episode, you're like, my first question is, when do you wash your hair? Yeah. And I was like, I don't. (laughs) Once a week. That was what inspired the whole segment. (laughs) Uh, We love bringing you content that is relatable and helps you in your day-to-day lives. So if there is anything that you would like covered, please send it through via Instagram message to us on the podcast page. The aim of this episode is to be educational, but also a little bit fun. As you guys may have seen, we put a little call out on our Instagram and we've gotten some really great questions from it. So I'm so excited to hear the answers. So I've had a read of the questions, but I haven't prepared any of the answers because obviously I should be able to answer them. That's my job, but there's some pretty bloody funny ones in there. (laughs) (laughs) There's some really good ones. There's one in particular that made me laugh out loud. So. Okay. Yeah. I think I know the one you're talking about. (laughs) I can't wait to hear your response to that. Okay. So as you guys know, we start every episode by talking about the best thing we ate this week. However, Tegan has just returned from a week in Bali and if you listened to my Japan recap you will know that Tegan very kindly let me take her favorite food moment for that week because I had too many to choose from. So basically we're now uh, travel podcasters as well (laughs) so anytime you get back from a trip there's going to be a little travel recap. Yeah yeah love it. That's what we do now. We we travel and then we discuss our food. All right. So, Tegan, tell us what was the best two things you ate in Bali? So is it like two occasions or two meals? Yeah. Two, well, what, whichever you want. If they were special occasions and you – no, let's do two meals. Okay, okay. So obviously one of them – actually, I think the – these were probably both on the same day and I was actually saying to Rhett when we were in Bali and we were quite far into the trip, I thought of you yeah. and I just said to Rhett, how good is it that we don't have any dietary requirements that we can just sit down and order? And they're pretty good over there. Like lots of places ask you if you have any allergies. Oh, do they? Yeah. It was really interesting. Um, when they'd take your order, they'd be like, any allergies? And we'd just be like, no, every oh, time, which was awesome. That's cool. Um, I think both of my favourite meals uh, were on the same day. However, 
all the food in Bali is incredible. Mm-hmm. They do food so well. Yeah. And it's just made with an extra layer of love. Like yeah. food here sometimes just gets slapped on the plate. Everything that you get there, like say even if you go to an Italian restaurant, you'll get this beautiful handmade gnocchi yeah. that's like clearly not from a packet and it's just the whole dish might have been $8. Yeah. So the second day we were there, we were pretty hungover because we uh, hit a beach club as soon as we got there because it was just really exciting, get that first night fever. And the second day we went to Uluwatu Beach and I really wanted a nazi garang for breakfast. (laughs) But we had to wait until lunchtime to get one because we obviously just didn't go to the right places because you can usually get a nazi garang for breakfast in Bali. But ended up having it for lunch and it was so good and, like, we got some sautéed chicken on the side. Yeah. So good. I eat as much like Nazi and Migarang as I can uh, when I'm there. And then that same day for my second thing, we wanted to do a sunset dinner at Uluwatu. Yeah. Because it's like right on the beach and the beach there is just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. We should have booked ahead of time for like the meal and we were struggling to get in somewhere, but I was just like WhatsApping all these different restaurants and we ended up getting one at Temple Lodge, which is up kind of like on the mountain or not on the mountain, on the cliff face there. Wow. And they only had like three tables that like overlooked the cliff. So we were so lucky to get one. Yeah. Um, But I think maybe it's not as well known as some of the other ones. Anyway, we had this beautiful sunset meal and we had bruschetta Mm, and then we got a pasta dish each and then we had this beautiful like coconut uh, crusted fish and I'm trying to think of what this sort of fish it is that they have there. It's like a Maui Maui. Yeah, Mahi Mahi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that fish, that coconut fish was really, really good but that whole meal was delicious and we had like, you know, three main meals, an entree and maybe six bintangs between the two of us and I think the bill was $60. Oh, my God. Incredible. It's insane. Yum. Yeah. The food there is amazing. So, so good. Yeah. I don't think that we had a bad meal um, until we got to the airport. Yeah. And the airport food was truly terrible and incredibly expensive. Like just such a contrast. Like I think we got two burgers, a Coke and a beer and it was like $95. Airport food is always incredibly disappointing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Traditionally it'll, it'll let you down, but because we were kind of arriving at the airport at lunchtime and we weren't going to be home until 11 o'clock with all like the kind of waiting around and the actual flight, we had to have an airport meal and Mm. it was shit. Yeah. I'm dying to hear more about your trip because you have been so busy house hunting on the GC and I've been really busy with the school PNC. We haven't really had a chance to talk about it properly. So where did you stay and would you recommend it to your friends? Yeah. So we stayed in Uluwatu and Changu this time. Last time I'd stayed in Seminyak. Um, so I just wanted to kind of experience a different area. Yeah. In Uluwatu, we stayed in a private villa with a pool, which oh, was I awesome. Oh, that. Yeah. So nice. And we stayed there for two nights. Next time I would stay in Uluwatu longer. It's just very relaxed down there and it's beautiful beaches and um, just, yeah, it's just stunning. 
and Laura actually said that we should stay there, our mutual friend Laura, longer because she's like, it's just your vibe and she was 100% right about that. Yeah. Um, then we went to Changu, which was really busy. We stayed in two different places there. One was another private villa. Um, I really wanted Rhett to experience that because it's just so cool yeah. having your own pool and just to like roll out of bed in the morning and just like roll straight into the oh, pool. So nice. You don't even have to put clothes on you, just like straight in. Yeah. Um, and then we stayed in the coolest hotel. So it's called El Barrio and our friend Fraz actually found it and sent it to me. It's pretty new. It's only been open for a few months. Every room or like uh, what did they call it, like a cabana, has a different colour. So instead of having a room number, you have a colour. So we were like the yellow cabana and there's like a pink and an orange. So we stayed there. It just has this really cool pool with um, like checkered tiles and the main entry is like bright purple and it's like this Mexican-themed hotel. However, it was so funny. We were going from our villa in Changu to our... Our, uh, hotel and we didn't get a driver because it said it was 450 meters away and we're like we can just walk there yeah in Chengu it's very busy and there's no footpaths so when you're walking you're like walking with the scooters with oh the my cars God. like so but it was only a little bit on the main road so we're like we can kind of navigate that and then it was down this quiet lane so like yeah we can do it with our bags it's going to be so fine anyway we get onto the lane and it's fine it's very rocky so the rock oh the 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 wheels aren't working very well and I thought oh we're gonna like break our wheels on our bags yeah anyway we get to a point and I'm like we can't go through here because we've just like come to a job site like oh my it's gosh. saying our hotel is like a hundred meters on the other side but in between that we're just now on a job site and I was like well we can't go through and anyway this Balinese man runs out of the job site and I was like oh I'm sorry we can't get through can we and he's like no you can and he comes over and he picks up our biggest suitcase and he puts it on his head and then he guides us through the job site and I'm saying like we're walking over building material around piles of things and then we come out on the other side and we're, you know, at this hotel, which we could kind of see on the other side of the job site. Yeah. And we got there and we were like all sweaty. And the <laughs> guy was like, how did you get here? Because he obviously didn't see us pull up in a car. Yeah. And we're like, we walked here through that job site. <laughs> and he's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and then when our usual driver came back, he's like, how did you get here? We're like, we walked. And he's like, it's such a long way. And I'm like, not if you go through that job site. Oh, my God. I love the optimism that you have when you're traveling. Like, I we mean, can do it. Yeah, I've done it everywhere. But in Japan, we were like, if something was, I don't know, a kilometer and a half away, we're like, we can walk with the kids. And like, at here, you'd be like, oh, no, no, we'll just drive. But you just kind of feel invincible when you're traveling. Yeah, we walked everywhere. Like, even though it's not ideal to walk in Chengdu, like, obviously, we had we had an awesome driver that was just the best. And they turn yeah. up to the airport with bintangs uh, in the esky ready to go. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, they were unreal. And we did use them for when we were going, like, places. But anywhere that was within 2Ks, we were like, we'll just walk there. Yeah, yeah. I think feel like that's, like, all part of the experience because then you take in so many more sites that you wouldn't if you were driving. Yeah, absolutely. Or you find, like, we would just be walking and I'd be like, oh, like, there's the little cafe that I've seen people go to on Instagram and we, like, yeah. discovered all these little bits and pieces um, that we wouldn't have kind of even probably tried to 
to seek out otherwise. Yeah, yeah. We would just go out for brekkie in the morning and just walk until we found a cool cafe or something that looked, yeah, interesting. That's so nice. And what was the best activity you did while you were there? Well, we didn't do a lot of activities. (laughs) We did a lot of eating. We did a lot of drinking. We checked out a lot of beach clubs. We got a massage, which was absolutely fantastic. And I kind of wish that I got a massage every single day because uh, it's just unreal. It was so relaxing. Probably the day that we went to Uluwatu and we like that that whole day was the best experience. We went and trained in a gym in the morning and then we we actually hired a scooter. Sorry, <laughs> mum. Yeah. So we wouldn't have done it in a busier part, but because Uluwatu is pretty quiet, we hired a scooter and like Rhett did a little bit of a practice. And if you know us, you know that we're very safe, like we're yeah. not risk takers. Yeah. People actually give me shit because I drive my car too slow. Um, And he was very cautious and we were like hugging the left-hand side and I wouldn't let him go over like 20 k's an hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we hired a scooter and then we went down to the beach and to go down to the beach from the top, it's like this crazy long winding path of lots of stairs. And then we hired an umbrella and Mm. we just like swam in the beach for the day and then ate at the little tiny like eatery places there, which is where we had the Nazi Garang. And then we went back to the villa, had a little bit of a relaxing arvo, and then we went out to find like some cliffside drinks and then had the sunset dinner. And then on the way back, there was a little gelato man at the front. We had a gelato oh my and God. we what? wandered back. It was so nice. Sounds like a dream day. Yeah. How perfect. Yeah. And did you read any good books while you were there? So I read two books while I was there and I don't know what they're called. <laughs> One I had half read uh, before I left and it was actually really interesting. It, I think it's called Rachel's Holiday. I think it's a really famous uh, book. Yes, yeah. by Marie- Mariana Keys. Yeah, yeah. She's my favourite. I love her. Oh, really? There you yeah. go. So yeah. I read Rachel's Holiday, yeah. which I hadn't read before, huh? which was really interesting. And yeah. I think it was super relatable because I get essentially you've read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When so I she like, gets put in rehab and she's like, well, I'm not a drug addict. Like I just socially use cocaine yeah um and then it was kind of like her journey of realizing that she did have a problem and that everybody was kind of like of that same belief that they didn't and I thought that that could be pretty like applicable to a lot of things in life like not using drugs is the main one like I thought you know if you're a social drinker yeah it's kind of like a little bit of a slippery slope um which I've been talking to you about after coming back and having from having a lot of drinks in Bali and how I feel about that now or like eating habits or you know behaviors that aren't serving us yeah I I thought it was a really uh eye-opening read well I have all of her books if you want to borrow some uh after that I read is it Leanne Moriarty which one? Uh, apples Never Fall. Yes, yes, I've got that too. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I, met I just her. picked that up at the airport. Oh, that's sick, yeah. Because I knew I'd finished the one I had. Have you read Big Little Lies? Yes. Yeah, have you read The Husband's Secret? Yes. Oh, that's my favourite one. Yeah, I, I think love it. I've read quite a few of those. So I do read normal books too. Yeah. Oh, funny. Oh, I love this. I met her at a book signing for maybe it was Big Little Lies and she signed my book and, oh, my God, I couldn't even talk to her. I was so, like, starstruck. She was like, oh, what's your name? And I'm like, um, um. And the friend, my friend next to me was like, it's Alex. Literally how I felt when when the slowly, slowly boys were staying in the hotel room below yeah. us. I was starstruck. <laughs> that's so funny. All right. And last question, would you go back again? 
Yeah. So second time, this was my second time in Bali. I went just before COVID for the first time with my girlfriends. I actually am thinking that I'm going to try and go every year. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, I, we went and we went, like it was Rhett's first time going to Bali. It was fe- Rhett's first time going overseas. Yeah, cool. Um, so we didn't, like we weren't budgeting at all. Yeah. Um, we went to beach clubs and hired day beds and we did golf and we so did good. like quite expensive activities. I would love to go back on a very wholesome budget yeah. trip and just, you know, do all these like wholesome activities, not drink so much and just eat in all the little places is where the food is unreal. Yeah, well, you can do that next year. Yeah, next definitely. Trip, and then we can get another recap. All right, cool. Well, thank you for sharing. That was awesome. I am so excited to get into this segment, looking at these questions. So as we've said, these were questions that people have sent in to us or um, friends, friends have shared. Yeah. They are all anonymous. <laughs> Let's get started. So we've kind of broken these up into sections. And the first one, very applicable to me, as you may have heard a few episodes ago, we talked about my pancake butt. <laughs> so the booty, this is the first question. Should I be squeezing my butt at the top of a squat? Yeah, this is a really good question and it comes up a lot and you kind of see it a little bit on social media now that people are addressing the question, but I think the problem also came from social media. Yeah. And I definitely believed that I needed to do that big bum squeeze at the top of a squat um, in order to be able to get in to be able to get the most out of it. Um, So when we think about the exercises that we do, they're either working the muscle through the lengthened position or the shortened position. So to give you the example of a squat, when we're working the muscle that we want to work for the squat, so say booty, which it also works other muscles in the legs, but the primary mover here is the glute. Yeah. So when we are working the glutes in a squat, they're actually working in the lengthened position. So that's when we're in the bottom of the squat. Yep. Um, so you're sitting down low in the bottom of the squat and the glutes are stretched and lengthened. Yep. So what we're doing at the top of the squat is shortening the muscle when we're doing that butt squeeze. Yeah. And that's kind of like not the whole point of a squat. Otherwise, why don't we just stand under the bar and, and squeeze our bum? <laughs> and is the bar being like loaded there even really doing anything? Yeah. So the answer is no. You don't need to squeeze your bum at the top of a squat. What you should be doing is is really working on your tempo on the way down, making sure that you're going down nice and slow and controlled. You're working to appropriate range to really lengthen the glutes at the bottom. And then you're shortening the glutes as you come up. So you're squeezing your bum together as you come up into the top of the uh, standing position. But it's not about standing up tall and then getting that big clenching, (laughs) big clenching. (laughs) To give you the opposite example, so an exercise that is going to work the glutes in a shortened position, we do a glute bridge or a hip thrust where we're lying down or we've got our back supported on the bench and we push the hips up and squeeze the glutes at the top. So at the top of that movement, that's when we really want to be squeezing the glutes together because we've got the weight. If we've got weight over the top of our hips, so we're loading um, in that sort of range of motion. Oh, sorry. So we're loading the glutes in that movement. We're going to drop them down. And then as we come up, we do that big squeeze at the top of that one. Right. And what happens as well with that exercise and people getting that idea that they should be squeezing their bum at the top is some people don't actually even squeeze their bum. They push their hips right through and they're not even clenching the glutes and they're just pushing the hips through. And what yeah. they end up doing is loading their lower back and then they end up getting a sore lower back. Ah, okay. So in answer to the question, no, the glutes are worked in the length 
lengthened position in a squat, which is when you're at the bottom of the squat, not at the top. Okay, cool. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. (laughs) So do I need to eat more to grow a booty? This is a good one. This is a good one. Yeah, and yes, absolutely you do. So with we've we've touched on it before, the difference between being in a calorie deficit and a calorie surplus. Being in a calorie deficit, we're trying to lose fat. So what we're doing is we're having less energy. Uh, we're putting in less energy that we're burning. So if we're, you know, putting in less fuel and we're trying to take something out, being the fat, how are we going to then grow muscle in that sort of a phase. Yeah. So when we need to eat more, when we're eating in a surplus or closer to maintenance, what we're doing is we're allowing appropriate calories to be able to build muscle mass and in this circumstance, a booty. (laughs) So the answer to the question is yes, we do. There are people that do build muscle mass in a deficit, but it's it's not likely to happen. Yeah. You need to be able to eat in order to grow. So if that is your big goal to grow a booty, then yes, you probably do need to be eating in a calorie surplus. It's important that you are eating, you know, the right types of foods, that you're eating enough protein, that you're training your glutes enough times during the week through appropriate movements. And that's not just doing your, you know, hip thrust. You need to be training your glutes through, as we were just talking about, the shortened position, the lengthened position and through different exercises. Yeah, There are some people that do build muscle mass really quickly at the start of their fitness journey and this is what's called newbie gains. Yeah. So when you are new to having that muscle stimulus, some people do put on muscle mass really, really quickly. But the longer you are in your fitness and health journey, the less likely you are to build muscle mass. So it does take more intentional effort Yeah, the, the further you are in your fitness journey. Okay. So the next question, if I exercise straight after eating, will I throw up? So, well, will you? <laughs> this is going to completely depend on the individual. Some people can, you know, have a big feed and exercise straight away and they won't feel sick. Some people say that if they have a little bit of food in their stomach that they might feel sick. A few things to consider here. It does probably take a little bit of time to get used to eating before you train. It's definitely recommended to eat before you train, especially eating carbs and especially before cardio because that's giving you fuel to to fuel your session, especially if you're training first thing in the morning. I would start small. So for someone that does feel like they feel nauseous after eating and then training, I'd start with like half a glass of orange juice, yeah, which has like a little bit of carbs in it that's going to get you through. Then you might progress to half a banana and then a full banana and then you might be able to have a little bit of toast. So kind of build up your tolerance as you go. Yeah, Maybe give yourself ample amount of time to have that settle before you train. And I'm just assuming that this is probably more for morning training. Like if you were training in the afternoon, obviously you would have eaten something in the day before yeah. you train and you might look at having a little bit more time before your training session if you don't feel well. So like if you eat your lunch at 12, you probably wouldn't hit the gym at 12.15. You'd probably wait till one o'clock. But ideally, if you can get yourself to a place where you can get a little bit of carbs in directly before you train, that's going to be really beneficial. Yeah. However, if you do feel like you're feeling unwell, you might need to be looking at the type of training you're doing or the exercise you're doing or just like tweaking the amount until you build up your tolerance to be able to eat before you train. Yeah. It's like you shouldn't. Um, however, some people do feel like that. Yeah. I feel like we actually got sent this one a few times. Um, but will my PT judge me if I can't do an exercise? Do we actually get sent this a few times? That's really interesting. Um, no. 
No, absolutely not. And if they do, then you should get a new PT and they shouldn't be working in the PT industry. Yeah. Like the whole purpose of being a personal trainer is to teach people how to train. Like obviously if you are a coach and you only work with elite level bodybuilders, if you were coached by that person and you were a complete newbie, maybe they would be judgmental. But how have you fallen into their training bracket anyway? Yeah. So anybody that's working with general population as a personal trainer, I think that they should be really, really open to and enthusiastic about having complete newbies. I personally find nothing more satisfying than getting someone who has never stepped foot in the gym before. Yeah. And even on, I can do that online now, someone who's never stepped foot in the gym before or feels really intimidated and doesn't know how to do the exercises to someone who's able to go in there with absolute confidence and start to see the benefits of their training, whether it be just like strength and their body composition or even just their confidence in the gym. Yeah. So if you, if this is something you're worried about, and people probably are really worried about it, I would just yeah remind you that this is literally our job. Yeah. It would kind of be like saying, will the doctor judge me if I have, yes. you know, yeah. an STD? Yeah. Well, they definitely shouldn't because, yeah. you know, that is their job. Yeah. That is what they're there to do. That's what they're there to help with. Yeah. So if you get the feeling that you're working with a PT that is really judgmental about your ability, then I would probably suggest to you that you swap PTs because they're obviously not very passionate yeah. about yeah. What, what they do. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think like, obviously, yeah, we heard it from a few people. So I think that it's something that people are definitely worried about. And, and it might be a little bit of a misconception that you go into the gym and you see the PTs and, you know, they're quite fit and maybe they look a little bit intimidating. But you've got to remember that everybody started from scratch. Like at some point, everybody was a beginner. Yeah. And our job isn't to, as as general population PTs, our job isn't to train elite athletes. Our job is to train people that want to be there yeah. to be able to, you know, become their best self and become stronger and become fitter. And if that means starting from a complete new position, yeah. then that's amazing. I yeah. personally love that journey. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I would go back and say, um, and I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, if you are feeling like a one-on-one -on -one environment is too intimidating and you feel like you really need help with technique and things like that, I would recommend going to a group fitness class Yeah, because it's like a good opportunity to learn all of the exercises exercises and get confident with someone right there to help you yeah that's great advice all right the next session is undies i was surprised that there were so many undie related questions there was there was all right so the first one that has been sent in to us do people wear underwear under their workout tights do you know what? This is always I, – I'm not surprised that people ask this question because when I see uh, like a post from like Muscle Nation or mm. something talking about tights, there's always girls having a conversation about like whether they – what undies they – someone's yeah. asked like what undies do you wear? And there is always a few girls that say, no, I like go commando. I'm like, what do you wear? I just wear G-strings. Yeah, I wear G-strings. Yeah. And not that I really go to work out in my tights. I mean, I am now, but for my school – 
mum pick up and drop off uniform, which is tight. I wear a G-string. I think it's, this is just my personal opinion. So if you like the look of no undies and you feel really confident doing it, then like go nuts. There's no right or wrong answer here. Um, I wore no undies under my leggings when I did my photo shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I didn't have like any lines at all for my photo shoot, for example. It felt fine. But just from a like a hygiene yeah, yeah, perspective, yeah. I don't know if it's the right answer. Yeah. Because especially when you, I don't know if any, this is very niche, uh, when you go to sit on a piece of gym equipment and there's just yeah. like a sweaty vulva yeah. imprint on the on the seat. Yeah. I just like like I just think an extra layer of clothing. Yeah. yeah. It's just nice for the other people. Or at least just make sure you put in it if you're going undie free. Yeah. Power to your sister. Just make sure you're using your towel. Yeah, yeah, for everyone else. Just the make gym. sure you're using your towel. <laughs> so yes, I would say people do wear underwear under workout tights. Yeah. I would say yes. Some people <laughs> don't wear underwear under workout tights. Yeah. A G string is always a really nice uh middle ground so that you <laughs> You don't see your underlines yeah. uh, in tights. And I fully think like in times that I've had to wear a full brief under my leggings, like this this is the example of the time when I go to the osteo. Yeah. When I've had injuries, I've just like not liked the look no. of seeing the underline. It doesn't flatter your butt. Yeah, it's not as flattering on your bum. So yeah. I think, yeah, G-strings look really nice. I agree. All right. So what is the best underwear to wear for running? Another great question. People really think about this stuff. They do. <laughs> so my advice for running is to have an outfit. Yeah. This sounds a bit weird. Or a few outfits that you know are like tried and tested outfits that are going to be comfortable. Yeah. Because for an example, and let's just go fucking wild because this is a funny <laughs> question. Like if you're wearing a like a lacy G-string. Yeah. And like bits are getting stuck in the lace while Ooh. you're out running. Like that's not going to be. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. That's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I would just stick to like a cotton comfortable eyewear. Again, I just wear a G-string. But if you feel more comfortable wearing a full brief, I would just wear what what's comfortable for you. Yeah. And I would like trial and test the type of tights yeah. and shorts and sports bra, how you tie your hair, like what sort of socks you wear, how you tie your shoes up because there's nothing more annoying on a run than having to stop or being annoyed by your clothes. Yeah, it's the worst. I tried to go for a run like a week ago and my tights were too big for me and they were like falling down and yeah. every two minutes I had to keep hacking them up. Yeah. It was so annoying. Yeah. I feel like even like headphones, I've had so much trouble finding the right headphones that like AirPods fall out when I run yep. and like headphones like this are too heavy, but I found those Bose ones. That, I'll go around the ears. Yeah. And I'm like, they're great. But yeah, everything I feel like has to be perfect for like optimal conditions. And the thing with running is it's a huge mental game. Yeah. So if there is one thing that's pissing you off, yeah. your mind will fixate on it and it'll give you that reason to stop. Yeah. So you want to eliminate all of that, but then yeah. you just learn it over time. Like when I run, I have to have my hair in a plait. Yeah. Because if I have my hair in a ponytail by the time I'm finished running I have one big dreadlock yes and yeah. if I have it in a bun it'll bounce around and it'll annoy me Get a headache so my advice for running is like nail your running clothes how you do your hair, whether you eat before you go, get a routine yeah. and try not to deviate from that routine because you don't want to give your mind any reason to give up. Like yeah. it's just setting your environment up for success. Yeah. And if you're someone that's like, oh, this always happens and this always happens, I challenge you, 
are you self-sabotaging to give yourself a reason to yeah. not perform your best? Yeah, yeah. That was a great question. Thank that was, you. That was a great question. Yeah, yeah really you. good. Yeah, see, there's no silly questions. These all lead to something very insightful. So the next question that has been sent in is, what exercises should I do to lose my belly fat? This is a fantastic question and you are not going to like the answer. Okay. So you can't spot reduce body fat. Okay. So you can't say I've got too much body fat on my legs so I'm going to do legs exercises. You can't yeah. say I've got belly fat so I'm going to be doing lots of abs exercises. Yeah. You can't spot reduce fat from any part of your body. Really? So if you're doing like a hundred crunches or sit-ups in the morning, that's not going to nope. do it. Okay. Wow. That is not what I thought. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that doing that would just like tone your abs and like you'd see your abs and you'd Shred all the fat. So remember when we're talking about toning, which we've touched on yes. before, yes. we're talking about building muscle mass and losing body fat. Yeah. But we can build muscle mass and we could build abs through doing more exercises. Although your abs kind of look like what they look like and you're probably building abs through doing your compound exercises anyway. Um, yeah. And it's not like you don't have to do a bulk phase for your abs. Like yeah. everybody's abs look different. They're under there. In order to see your abs, odds are that you do need to lose the belly fat, which yeah. is what this question is asking, but we can only lose fat through creating a calorie deficit. Yeah. Yeah. So doing the crunches isn't going to make a difference if you're not losing body fat. Yeah. So the exercise that you need to be doing to lose your belly fat is going to the kitchen and sorting your nutrition out. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. That's very insightful. And just making sure like you are in a calorie deficit. Well, if you want to know more about calorie counting and calorie deficits, I highly recommend going back to our calorie episode, which was episode nine. And we'll put a link to that as well with this episode. The C word. The C word. I thought I was so clever with that. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but the next section is all about tone Toning and being bulky or toning or being bulky. Yep. All right. So the first question that has been sent to us is how do I get stronger without getting bulky? This is a good question. And this is again, got like the last question was a great segue into this one. Uh, this is again, going back to thinking about building muscle mass and losing body fat. So I think people kind of confuse strength and muscle mass and they think that they're the same thing. Yeah. So they think that I've, if, if you have more muscle mass, that you're automatically stronger yeah. or if you lose muscle mass, that you're automatically weaker. And that's not necessarily the case. So if you think about them as two separate things, I could build muscle mass and I could not get any stronger based on how I'm training. Like I could be building muscle mass by eating in a calorie surplus and doing prescribed exercises, but I might be doing different rep ranges than a strength program. Yeah. Whereas I could be in a diet phase and I could be losing body fat and my muscle mass could be staying essentially the same, or maybe I'm even losing a little bit of muscle mass, which does sometimes happen in a diet phase. Yeah. But if I'm focused on strength training through training through the right rep ranges and being really consistent with my progressive overload, going into the gym, doing the same exercises every week with the purpose of adding more weight and adding more reps, then absolutely I can get stronger while my muscle mass stays exactly the same. Yeah. And I think this question absolutely would have would have come from a female. Yeah. And females have this idea that if we go into the gym and we do weights that we're going to get bulky. Yeah. And let me tell you, sis, like 
I've been trying to get bulky for 10 years. Like it just doesn't happen that easily. Like it's never going to happen by accident. Yeah. How we train when we're dieting versus how we train when we're trying to build muscle mass can essentially stay the same. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be down to our nutrition. So it's going to be down to whether or not we are like there is changes in the rep ranges that we can do to try and target those things. Yeah. But I would never say to a girl and I can see that this is the next question like, you know, you don't want to put on muscle mass. So let's get you in the gym and get you to do all these really high reps and light weights. Yeah. A girl with a goal of building muscle mass that's eating in a surplus can train together with a girl whose goal is to lose body fat and is eating in a calorie deficit but that wants to get strong. Yeah. It's going to, again, come down to what your nutrition is like. Yeah. So how do you get stronger without getting bulky? Um, Just don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, No, you just make sure that you are eating in accordance to your goals. So making sure that you aren't eating in a calorie surplus if you're not trying to build muscle mass, keep your calories at maintenance or keep your calories in deficit. But I wouldn't even worry about getting bulky. Like it's not going to happen by accident. When you're trying to get stronger, what you need to focus on is progressive overload. So that's that idea that every time we go into the gym, we're going to either try and go a little bit heavier or if we can't go a little bit heavier, we're going to add another rep so that we're always improving and increasing our strength. Yeah. Um, so a good way to do that is with a periodized program. So going into the gym every week with a program, which is you can get from a coach or you can even, you know, write one yourself with the guidance of someone else or even just picking, you know, five exercises and saying, I'm going to get as strong as I can at these. Yeah. Say you do a squat every single Monday you do three sets of eight to 10 reps. First week you go in and you do three sets of eight at 50 and that was pretty hard. The next week you go in and you do three sets of nine at 50, yep. three sets of 10 at 50, and then you go three sets of eight at 52. Yeah, okay. Et cetera, et cetera. So you're always building up. Yeah. So yeah, the answer to the question is you can focus on your strength and you don't need to worry about getting bulky unless that is your specific goal. Yeah. And even then it's going to be really, really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And then to go in straight, and I'm just reading off the script straight into the next question. Should I be doing lighter weights and more reps for toning? No, no, you don't need to do that. You can train exactly the same. What you should be doing if your goal is toning is to be focusing on your nutrition. You probably need to think about what toned means to you. Maybe you do need to build muscle mass to get the toned look that you want and you have to do a build phase to have the muscle underneath to then go and do a cut phase and to get leaner to have that toned look or maybe you just want to get leaner to be toned. Yeah. Toning isn't really – there's no tone – prescription. Yeah. Usually most people need more muscle mass and then they need to get leaner to reveal said muscle mass. Yeah. Okay. This is is the question I've been waiting for. There's no silly questions, but this is not something that you should be worried about. (laughs) So just a little reminder, everyone, these are completely anonymous. So not going to reveal who sent this into us. So the question is, my sister once shit herself doing squats, so I've been too scared to do them. Is this something that happens often? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. 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 This is the first time I've ever heard of that happening to someone. Yeah. Yeah, I've done many squats. <laughs> and you haven't shit yourself? I haven't shit myself full stop. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would challenge you to ask your sister what the other circumstances were in this situation. Yeah, like, like what did, did she, she have eat? a bad curry? <laughs> uh, did she have a bit of a stomach ache? Yeah. No, I don't think, and I mean, if there's any personal trainers listening that have had multiple clients shit themselves doing squats, <laughs> you doing please write in and let us know. But um, no, absolutely, do not fear squats. They will not cause you to shit yourself. Yeah, and maybe the person who sent that in should send this episode to their sister so that she knows that it's not going to happen to her again. She probably has a trauma association, but it wasn't the squats' fault. Yeah. Okay, well. Although, you know, some people have, um, some women have orgasms when they do hanging leg raises. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they call them corgasms. <laughs> and it's apparently pretty common. Really? Doesn't happen to me. Well, there you go, everyone. Get in there, give it a go. Good technique. <laughs> but no, Maybe do that one squats, no, not nah, an issue. Not a thing. Not an issue. There you go. Listener who wrote that in, let your sister know. All right, so the next question. Will people get annoyed at me if I am using the lift floor or squat rack if I am doing really light weights? I think this is a really good question. And I've had this asked to me twice before from my clients. And I can understand, I, like I said in the episode that when we talked about training last time, I studied PT in order to be confident in the gym. And I can understand why people feel a little bit intimidated to use the squat racks or use the lift floors if the weights that they're using are really light. Yeah. However, I just remind everyone that you're paying the same gym membership as someone who can lift really heavy. Yeah. So why do they have more right to the equipment than you do? Yeah. So yeah, just get in there. Like if you, like if you are someone that can only squat the bar and you need to use the squat rack in order to get your positioning right because you know even though there are bars that are lighter than 20 kilos it's probably not safe for you to pick that up off the floor clean it press it over your head and get it onto your back that's probably not safe for you yeah the best way to do it is from the squat rack and also that's getting everything in the correct movement patterns with the correct intention yeah. to then be able to go heavier in the future. So I would, yeah, definitely say you are able to use the squat rack. Yeah. With the lift floor, if there's only like room to do deadlifts on the lift floor and that's the only space that there is, then absolutely. If there was like a big space next to it where you could set up lighter weights on a barbell, then maybe you could consider using that area. Yeah. But if you don't want to, I would just use the lift floor. Like you have as much right as anyone else use any of the equipment yeah and I have never once thought oh my god I can't believe so and so is using that they you know they're going so light yeah remember again that it is a supportive environment I think people would get more annoyed if you were you know you were using it and you were you know chatting the whole time or yeah you know, you looked like you were on your phone and you weren't having like more appropriate rest periods. But if you're in there with your program, doing your squats, learning your deadlifts for the first time, absolutely do not worry about this. And if you feel like anybody is worried about that, I read a, or actually my friend Julia, our friend of the podcast, yes. sent me an awesome quote the other day. And it was uh, something along the lines of my friend was really confident. And I said to her, I want to be more like you. And she she said, the difference between me and you is when someone thinks bad of you, you think it's a you problem. Yeah. When someone thinks bad of me, I think it's a them problem. Yeah. yeah. So just 
just think about that. Like if, if you feel like anybody is like looking at you, think about that. That's their problem. Like they're an impatient, impolite person and yeah. you have every right to be there because you pay the same gym membership that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's a great way to think about it. You actually it. probably pay more than them because they've probably been going to the gym for a long time. So they have a better rate. Yeah. True. So you have more right. Yeah. Just yeah. by that theory. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the next question is, what's the best way to recover from a hard session and how many rest days should I have? This is a really good question. Rest days are really important and it is definitely something that people overlook and especially when you're really early in your fitness journey and you're really enthusiastic, you think, oh, I don't need rest days. Yeah. And I remember when I was like, Uh, new to being a PT and I would do like multiple sessions per day and I'd go for a run and then I'd go for the gym and I'd be like, I'm so fit, I can do this. And I see like young PTs on Instagram being like second session for the day and I was like, that was so me, like that was absolutely me. And I think with maturity and time you realise that you're going to get the best results when you do really focus on your rest days and your recovery as well. Yeah, Because when we lift weights and let's just like assume they're talking about weights for this one, but I will cover cardio again in a second. Um, So when we lift weights and we're applying that progressive load and we're working to a point that we are really fatigued, what's happening in our muscles is we create all these little micro tears. So what happens is we create these little micro tears and the process of repairing them is what makes the muscle bigger. Ah. So if we're not giving ourselves time for that repair to happen, then we're potentially losing the ability to get bigger muscles and stronger muscles. And obviously, like if you think about from a strength perspective, if you don't give yourself enough time to rest between sets and between days, then you're going to be sore and tired. So you don't have the potential to repeat the effort to the intensity that you have the first time. That's the reason why you need rest days when you train weights. Um, I would really recommend like planning your programming so that you do get to have a full rest day after each session or body part. So say if you do a lower body workout, the next day you could do an upper body workout because you would be resting your lower body while you're training your upper body and then you could go to lower body the next day. However, say you were doing three full body sessions, I personally would put them Monday, Wednesday, Friday so that you have the day in between in order to allow your body to recover and come back with the same effort the next day. Yeah. Um, If you're, say, for example, you're doing HIIT style cardio or you're running or you're biking or you're swimming, again, I would definitely consider where you need rest days and able to improve your performance. And say, for example, like when I was training for the marathon, there's not an opportunity to have a rest day between every run because I have to run four or five days a week and there's only seven days uh, in the week. But how you look at programming that is that you might have a long or a hard run day, so a tempo, a fast run, and then that will be followed by a recovery run. Okay. So it's like that active recovery where you're doing an easier run the next day and you're giving your body a chance to recover while you're still getting in the kilometres you need for your training load. Um, HIIT style training, it's not intended to be done every day. Like there are people that go in and want to do it seven days a week. But again, in order to be able to perform well, to be able to get fitter and stronger, you need that time to recover. Yeah. Even if you think in your mind, you know, I don't get sore, I don't get tired, I guarantee you if you have a few days off and then you go into a session, like you will be able to hit it with an intensity that you haven't been able to hit it when you've done seven sessions in the lead up. Yeah, 
Yeah. So the answer, how many rest days should I have? How long is a piece of string? Depends on your goals, depends on what you're working towards. Yeah. But I would definitely recommend thinking about if you are doing a strength program to give the muscle group that you've worked a day to recover in between. If you're running, I would look at periodizing your programming so that you're having hard runs followed by recovery runs or hard runs followed by rest days and and you were putting easier runs together. Yeah. And you can also consider other forms of recovery as well. Like recovery is not just rest days. You can speed up your recovery. Other things that I would consider is your nutrition. Are you eating well to fuel it? Are you sleeping enough? Which is one that people really, really overlook. And they think, you know, I get six hours or I get seven hours. But if your training load is really, really high, you probably need to be having eight hours plus. Um, You can do things like stretching, foam rolling, massage, saunas, ice baths. Yeah. But not directly after weights training. That's a whole other thing. We just out Kev for this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a really good question. All right. So the next question, it's actually funny because Tegan was getting the questions at first. And when they came through, I was reading, I was like, oh God, this is the most boring question I've ever seen. And I was telling Kev, I was like, oh, we haven't gotten any really funny ones yet. We just got this really boring one. And he was like, oh, that was my question. (laughs) That's so funny. But anyway. It's a great question, Kev. Oh, there you go. It's a good question. So Kev's question was, should I be using gloves or a belt in the gym or are they just for bodybuilders? So this is a merge of Kev's question and someone else's question. So Kev was asking about gloves. So using gloves in the gym, I used to have this mentality that you shouldn't use gloves or wraps and I used to call them bitch mittens. <laughs> Because I was like, you just need to work on your grip strength. And that was like I was saying with the training before, I'm like happy to admit to past ideas that I had and how I have changed my mind. Because everyone, remember, you can literally change your mind at any time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the more that you learn. So with gloves or wraps, you will get to a point with your training where you're limited by your grip strength. Yeah. So this is pretty niche to people that do like, you know, deadlifts, RDLs, bent over rows, chin-ups and things like that. If your failing point is your grip, then it's time to use gloves or wraps. Okay. So, for example, for an RDL where you're holding the tension the whole time in the – it's a Romanian deadlift, like constant tension, you're going to get to the point where your hands are going to give out before your hamstrings and your glutes. Okay. And that would be a good time to start using gloves and wraps. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, well, there you go. The other one we had was about using a belt. So belt, again, a good idea to start using a belt. I don't personally use a belt but it is something that I have been thinking about lately so what it does is it helps with your like intra-abdominal pressure when you're doing your squat and your deadlift so it helps people with the bracing position before they need to go what the belt does is it gives something to push against so when we're at the top of a deadlift or a squat what we want to do is take a big breath in and then we want to push our belly out to create that tension and what that tension creates is a really strong core all the way around so we're like braced through the core that puts us in a position to be able to bear the weight in a really strong position. So the belt gives the support and also like the cue 
example of that brace down because when you do that big breath in and you push out, you're going to feel that tension on the belt there and then you're going to know that you have a really strong core ready to do those heavy weights. Yeah. So if you're struggling with your bracing, uh, it would be a really good time to bring in a belt. If you are struggling with your grip and you feel like you could go heavier with your deadlifts, but the limiting factor is that you can't hold the bar and realistically that's a point that everyone is going to get to, then that's the time to bring in gloves or wraps. Yeah. I personally love Versa wraps and Kev, I'll send you the link. All right. So last question what is better running hit or strength so this would be dependent on what your goal is so if your goal is to so yeah we probably need a little bit more context so no one of these is better than the other I would say that strength training is a really good basis for anybody that's training uh say you have a running goal for example the obvious answer is running would be best however having strength training is going to allow you to not get injured and have the strength to be able to support the running. So I would say short answer, strength is the best training for everything. It's going to help us be stronger to support our other goals. It's going to help us have more muscle mass, which means we're going to look better. It's also going to mean when you have more muscle mass, you burn more calories at rest. Obviously setting us up for older age. It's going to ensure we have more muscle when our muscles start to atrophy. We're going to have stronger bones when we get older and we're going to just have a better quality of life. So strength is king. However, You know, if your goal is to run a marathon, then running is going to be really important. Um, Running is really good, in my opinion, for cardio health. And it's also really good for your mental health. It's really teaching you mental strength. However, running can be really hard on the body. So there's lots of injuries that come with running. So running probably isn't the best exercise for everybody. Yeah. However, if you, you know, if you do it well and you work with a coach or you do it really safely and you build up really slowly, it's really excellent for your cardio health and your mental health. And just like you can set awesome goals with running and get awesome feedback. HIIT training, as you guys know, I worked for F45 for years. For me personally, with where I am at in my fitness journey, I will always strength train and I run with the goals of running marathons. For me at the moment, HIIT training doesn't really align with what I want to achieve personally. However, I see personal trainers go and, you know, bag out HIIT training and group fitness training because, you know, it's not optimal. You could get better strength results doing this, blah, 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 blah. And I think that that's just like such like gimmicky, clickbaity, and I hate the ranty form of um, like – I used to really be a big fan of James Smith and I think he does great works, but there was a period where he was so ranty and he was just bagging out every other sort of fitness approach. Yeah. I think hit hit training's purpose or group fitness training's purpose is for people that are time poor, Yeah, for people that don't um, have the motivation or maybe the knowledge to be able to train or they want to train in a social environment. Yeah, And what it gives people is an efficient way to train their bodies in a social environment with the right support and the right coaching. Yeah, And if those people aren't going to be training otherwise, I think it's absolutely fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So the answer to the question is, you know, what are your goals? What are your motivation like? What's your what's your motivation like? Yeah. What's your time like? What are you actually going to be able to turn up? If you have a running goal, running with strength will be really important. If you like running or you want a new challenge, that's going to be really good. If you have, you know, really specific strength goals or you're really motivated to train by yourself or you really 
uh, need to train at different times, strength is going to be awesome because you can go to a 24-7 gym and train whenever you need to. However, if you're someone that's time poor, you know you lack motivation, you know you train better in a social setting and you want the support of having a coach there without paying for a one-on-one PT, HIIT training is going to be awesome. Yeah. So So the answer is they're all great. They're all great. I just have this mentality that any movement is good movement. So whatever, if if the answer is for you to find something that you enjoy, don't listen to the noise of what is good or what is bad. Just lean into movement that you enjoy, especially if the alternative is that you're not going to be moving at all. Yeah. Don't not do something because someone's told you it's not optimal when on the other hand you're going to be doing nothing because that's obviously going to be worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to do the song? (laughs) Pop culture quiz. (laughs) Cute. And Tegan's quiz too. (laughs) I'm not going to do any singing. (laughs) All right. As per usual, I'm very excited for this because it is my favourite segment. So This is when I get the most nervous now (laughs) for the podcast. It's a real test for you. (laughs) So as you know, if you've listened to the podcast before, we like to do a little quiz occasionally. I give Tegan a pop culture reference and she has to try and guess what it is. And she does the same for me with a fitness or nutrition term. So I'm going to go first because I'm very excited about this one. It's very timely for me. So my question for you, Tegan, is do you know who Travis Kelsey is? No, I thought you were going to say really? Travis Scott. Nah. I'm so, I, I thought you might actually know this. Travis Kelsey. Because it's everywhere. Everywhere on what? Everywhere on everything. It's in the news. It's on social media. It's everywhere. It's the biggest pop culture thing happening at the moment. I don't watch the news. Okay. It's too depressing. I don't watch the news either. I, I read a lot about it and I have it on Apple and stuff, but... Would, it, would this be on Apple News? Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't read that either. Daily. <laughs> do you know what I do follow on Instagram? Yeah. Do you follow Good News Movement? Oh, yes, I do follow them. I cry every single time one of those comes on. Yeah, also a really good news source. It's really easy to digest and they cover a lot of really important things, but then there's also some lighter stories is shit you should care about on Instagram. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah I don't really follow good. it. I yeah. probably should, yeah. So the question, Travis Kelsey, you have no idea who he is. Do you want to have a guess? Give me some context. No, I just want you to try and give. Okay. So. Okay, no, wait. It's going to be something to do with Taylor Swift. Yes, it is. Because you've just gone to that freaking Taylor Swift movie. And I'm going again on Sunday. And the girl gave you the bracelet. I've got the bracelet on now. He's an NFL player. He is an NFL player. Well done. Because I saw there was a trend of people saying that Taylor Swift made someone famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. <laughs> like all the NFL, all the boyfriends yeah. were like. <laughs> But obviously, like, yeah, it's a TikTok trend Yeah, to be like, hey, have you heard of Taylor Swift's new boyfriend, Travis Kelsey? She's putting NFL on the map. But um, it's really funny because I know a lot of men, I know a lot of NFL supporters are like that, but Kev, big NFL buff, we love the NFL, he's so excited because he loves talking about NFL and a lot of people in Australia aren't, you know, big fans. So there's all these people kind of getting into it and he's like, oh, this is great, like more people to talk about it. And he, like, loves coming home and telling me all these facts that I'm like, I already know that. But, you know, it's very exciting for both of us. It's like our world's colliding. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. So um, who's his team? The Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. So it's really funny because they actually won the Super Bowl last year and Travis Kelsey might be one of the best tight ends of all time. So it is very funny that... Titans? Tight ends. 
is at a position, position is tight end. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so like the quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, super famous, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Don't at me really big NFL supporters because, you know, everyone has their opinions. I was not a Patrick Mahomes fan, but now I love him. Anyway, so for anyone else that's not up to date and, like, Tegan, I'm going to fill you in a bit on this because it is really interesting. Oh, there's more to it. There's so much to it. It's huge. Okay. I'm going to go through some things because it's it's very exciting. So the timeline, a little bit of a timeline, Travis Kelsey goes to Taylor Swift's concert, the Errors Tour, and he basically, like, tries to meet her but her people are like, oh, no, she performs 44 songs so she can't talk to people before and after because she has to rest her voice. And he's really bummed, he reveals later, that he made her a friendship bracelet with his phone number on it for her. So he's got this, like, massive crush on her. So he's trying to slide in yeah, in real life. Trying to, yeah, yeah, he's keen. And then uh, basically, like, I guess they start talking and in an interview he reveals that he's kind of said to her, you know, I, I went to your show and, and seen what you're all about about like, you know, maybe you want to come and see me at a game type thing, like puts the ball in her court. So anyway, Taylor rocks up at the Arrowhead game, which is the Chiefs versus the Bears. She's there in Chiefs, like unreleased merch, which is a huge deal. And she sits with his mum, Donna, in the stands and she goes crazy. Like she loves the game. So they haven't met yet, him and her? Uh, no, no, I th- I don't know if they've met or they've just been chatting. It's all like... Straight to meet the mother. Yeah, so like they're hugging, they're like fully hanging out and it's a big deal. And then she's seen leaving the game in his convertible, which is a big thing because there's this whole Taylor Swift like getaway car thing. So her fans just went wild, like Swifties. Just the conspiracy theories and stuff are so great. Like he was wearing this blue like two-piece set and people are like... Blue is the colour for the 1989 album and, like, it's all references, right? Like, it's probably not, but this is what all of the fans are thinking. Anyway, so she attends the game and after that game, Travis Kelsey's jersey sales go up 400%. Yeah. Which is insane. Um, And then the ticket sales go up for his next game because people are thinking she might be there. The week that he's playing at MetLife in New York... She goes out for dinner with like a bunch of her very famous friends and invites Brittany Mahomes, who's Patrick Mahomes' wife, so the quarterback for the Chiefs. So then everyone's like, she's going to be at this game. So the game sales go up, everything goes up, and then she attends the game with your favourite couple. Do you know who she went with? Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Yes, and Hugh Jackman. They're really good friends, hey? They're besties. Yeah. Yeah, and Hugh Jackman, well, actually she's their She's the yeah, godparent I, I of thought their that, kids. Yeah. yeah, and she takes Sabrina Carpenter and Hugh Jackman, random, but him and Ryan Reynolds are BFFs. Anyway, so at this game she's like all hanging out with Donna, the mum again, and she's shown on TV they cut to her 17 times. So, like, the NFL are loving it. Like, the commentary, they're like, The Taylor's NFL fans it. are not loving it. They're like, back on the game. <laughs> so there's so many conspiracies that, like, that this is a PR stunt and that the NFL are paying Taylor or that there's something going on because the NFL are benefiting from this so much. So that game that she went to at MetLife, it got 27 million views, which is the second biggest viewership since the Super Bowl. And I'll post some stats if anyone's interested because, like, the amount of women and the amount of young girls that watched it was just, like, astronomical compared to previous games. 
So if it is a PR stunt, it's working. Genius. Yep, because like. But also it would be so hard to date as Taylor Swift. Oh, can you imagine? But also like, I mean, at first when he was going to the concert with the bracelet and stuff, I was like, is this a bit much? But he's pretty hot. But it would be like it would be hard to get Taylor Swift's attention. Yeah. But also if they've sent him to do that, I wonder what he would be getting. Yeah, yeah. But then there's other things coming out like Taylor's dancer, if anyone has seen the errors to it, you'll know who he is. He is actually the, I'll have to clarify this, he's either the cousin or the brother of a player on the Chiefs. So maybe he introduced them. Like there's lots of different theories. But, yeah, basically up until this stage they haven't confirmed anything. Um, But then just last week they both rocked up at the recording of SNL. Like no one knew this was going to happen. Lorne Michaels, who's the executive producer of Saturday Night Live. I know what I said. Yeah, okay, I was just checking. He had no idea they were coming and about 20 minutes before the show starts, he gets a call saying there's two people coming to visit. Anyway, they like literally slide them into the show. So Travis is in a skit or two and Taylor comes on at the end to introduce Ice Spice. So then they're seen like holding hands as they leave. So that's their like hard launch of the relationship. I think showing up to Saturday Night Live... For different roles. I'm sus now. Well, That's a bit sus. Well, they just showed, I feel like it is the biggest power move to show up to one of the biggest shows of all time in New York and just be like, watch what I can do. I'm just going to like slip into this show, use it to launch my new relationship. Imagine if it is a thing but in the NFL, it's just like taking over the world. Not that it is. I truly believe that it's a proper relationship and it's very cute. But why would they want to launch it on Saturday Night Live? Well, they didn't launch it on the show. They just were seen, they were just hanging out and decided to go to the show. I don't know, but I'm interested. Yeah. I'm invested. Yeah. You finally See? you finally landed with one of these. <laughs> yeah, it's so good and there's just something new every day. Like this whole segment is just a ploy for you be, for you to be able to text me about. Yeah, oh, I can send you. <laughs> no, TikTok. <laughs> Send you everything. There's this really cute video yesterday of like Taylor was about to get out of the car, like her, you know, what is it, like her SUV that they get driven around in. So Travis hops out of the car first and like goes around, and the security guard goes to let her out as he normally would. And Travis like softly puts his hand. I've on got the security this, bro. Yes, that's what he does. He puts it on his back, and that's oh my, God, my girl. It's so cute. And uh, anyway, everyone's getting involved. So like Bill Belichick. Do you know who he is? No. He's like the um, he's the coach of the Patriots. He's like this. How very... on earth would I know that? Well, he's famous, like Deflategate and not. Okay, I wouldn't even Do know, you know the who Tom coach Brady of is? any of the. Yeah, I've heard his name. Yeah. I wouldn't even know any of the coaches' names of like the other AFL teams in Australia. <laughs> really? Okay, I know them by face, but like, yeah, no, that is so funny. Okay, obviously fags. Well, coach of the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Bill Belichick is this, like, super cranky, cranky man. But even he commented and said, well, I would say Travis Kelsey has had a lot of big catches in his career, but this is definitely the biggest. Talking about Taylor Swift. Why is he commenting? Well, he was asked in an interview. But how cool is that? Like, everyone's involved. I'm living for it. I'm just, like, very into Taylor Swift at the moment. (laughs) If I was them, like, if being a celebrity... Like, if this is a legitimate relationship, being a celebrity, it must be so stressful. Like, there's just so much pressure. Like, all these people, all yeah. of these people are invested. Yeah. Have you watched or are you going to watch the David Beckham documentary on Netflix? Probably not. Oh, it's so good. Sports documentaries are my favourite thing in the whole world. Yeah, you seem really into that. <laughs> 
I am. Last Dance is my favourite thing ever created, but Beckham might take it over. It's so good. It's like sport and the Spice Girls and, like, it's so cool. But they actually... I'll consider it. Yeah. Posh and Bex went from being, like... I mean, I'll let you watch it, but they went from being no one, no friends, to, like, the two most famous people in the world at the time. And it's really cute because they actually loved being famous at first and it's just a different perspective. All right. Your turn, Tegan. What have you got for me? All right. Where in your body yeah. will you find your rectus femoris? Femoris. Rectus feminis. Not feminist. <laughs> Rect- say it again. Rectus femoris. Well, a femoris is like, is that an artery? Like a femoral artery? No? I think there's a thing called a femoral artery. Yeah, I think that's going to help you. Okay. Is that in your, that's the one that you bleed to death that's in your thigh? Yep. That artery is, yep. So is it... Is it like in your rectus femoris? Is it like your butthole? <laughs> I, don't know. I was hoping that that's why I picked it. it I was like hoping some, that. Is it a vein that go. goes to your bum? I don't know. What is it? No, you were on the right track, but yeah. then you went really. The, rec- went the, re- the, rectus the rectus really threw, threw me you. off. It's one of the four quad muscles. Ah, so oh, I was in, so close. Yeah, you were. You were like total, You I were totally broke. on the. Um, the right track when you started with your artery yeah. um, and you're in the right area. And yeah. then, the, yeah, I was hoping the rectus, <laughs> the rectus threw, threw me. Yeah, so one of the four quad muscles, it's the knee extender. Ah, interesting. Cool. Rec fem. You can call it rec fem for short if rec you want to. Fem. Okay, cool. So now I know what it is. I can go home. I'm going to go home and please care Thank you for listening to the episode. That was a really fun one and I hope that you have learned something new today, even if it's just that you probably won't shit yourself when you're doing squats. (laughs) Uh, So remember that there are no silly questions. And if you love the episode and you would like to have your question answered in a part two, just send it through to us on the podcast Instagram. We appreciate everyone that listens to the pod. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If you haven't already, please give us a star rating on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on. Also on Apple, you can leave us a review, which really goes a long way for us on the charts. We'll see you next week for a conversation with our resident psychologist, Emma Slade. So we're super excited to have Emma on the next episode. So she's talking about eating patterns and behaviors, and we know you're going to get heaps out of it. We're going to be addressing non-hunger eating. So all those little snacks that come in that you know that aren't serving you and how to start to deal with that behavior and how to start to employ some strategies so that you can be closer to your goals. Yeah, I'm so excited for that one. All right, thanks, guys. That's it. Love you. Bye. Bye.